Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish Stripes podcast channel where we cover your competitive Miami Marlins every day in our own way. I am Eli Sussman, the managing editor of Fish Stripes, bringing you these episodes of the official show, usually on Monday mornings and Thursday mornings. This one coming at you mid to late afternoon on Thursday as I'm watching the getaway day game between the Marlins and the Nationals at one of the emotional high points of this young season, no doubt about it. The team has a winning record for the first time in a couple years. They've been playing very well on the road for the first time in a couple years. And before this goes out, we won't have the outcome to Thursday's game, so it's a little unclear whether they'll sweep the Nationals or just settle for winning two out of three. I think either way, you need to be feeling relatively encouraged by how things have gone, especially over the last week or so playing well against division opponents, the teams that you're going to be facing for nearly half of your schedule during the season. It's nice to feel superior to this Nationals team that for a while has been typically better than the Marlins have, but it seems like they won't be much of a threat here in 2022. I want to focus on Pablo Lopez just having another great performance on Wednesday night. You're Major League ERA leader to this point in the season. What's working for him? What we can expect from him moving forward during this 2022 season? And then the meat of the show, looking ahead to Monday's deadline to trim down the roster from 28 spots to 26, to trim back to normal after having this luxury of extra space early in the season. To do that, 
very thoroughly, I'm going to mention every single guy on this Marlins active roster and try to arrive at a sensible conclusion about what they should do, who should be gone in order to optimize the talent that they have moving into the middle chunk, this long grind of a regular season that the Marlins are building pretty high expectations for. So a lot to get into on the other side of this break. Stick with me. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Leading up until opening day, the discourse around Pablo Lopez, it was, to be honest, it was really bothering me. You know, there was this offseason where he, he was speculated as a trade candidate. There were plenty of people out there, some that I respect quite a bit, who felt that he was somewhat expendable in this pitching-rich Marlins organization, putting your trust in the next wave of young pitchers to fill that void and flipping him in order to address another need, yada, yada, yada. And I thought that undersold, you know, the production that he's had whenever he's been healthy the past few years in the Marlins rotation and the potential that he had to get even better if you just had him stay put and how they should have kept him and added talent around him without seeing him as expendable. Uh, The early returns have been even beyond my wildest expectations, especially coming off of that spring training where he did not pitch well at all in limited spring training action. But all the while, he remained very composed and very confident in what he was going to do to bring his game to the next level. Through four starts, he has pitched 23 in a third innings, and he has allowed one run. The very best earned run average in Major League Baseball. He's been just outstanding in every sense of the word to this point in the season. Most recently on Wednesday, shutting down the Nationals through six innings, doing it efficiently on just 84 pitches. There was clamoring to keep him in longer than those six innings. Imagine how quickly the opinion has turned on him that now you just can't get enough of him on the mound with how he has looked to this point in the regular season. What was amazing about that Wednesday game is that his fastball velocity was down pretty considerably from where it usually is. Without even his nastiest stuff, he went through six pretty easy shutout innings, continuing what he's done against Giants, against the Phillies, against the Cardinals. So this has been the easiest opponent of the four, and he made it look pretty easy out there. He is loving every second of it. Why not? Another strikeout for Pablo, back-to-back Ks, and he's got six tonight. He will leave tonight, JP, with the best ERA in baseball. The main concern about him has been his shoulder, the fact that in 2018, in 2019, in 2021, it has held him back, has prevented him from the workload that you need him for to rely on, and it made it difficult to expect anything different here in 2022. Um, So the time will still tell as to whether or not that is solvable. It is one of the big mysteries in baseball is how to overcome any sort of shoulder fatigue, especially if you have a history of it recurring again and again. But he does so many good things on the mound. He is a deep pitch mix, sort of, um, 
a lot of pitches that he mixes in there. The one holdup throughout his Marlins career, the one thing that, at least to me, has always lowered his ceiling compared to somebody like Sandy Alcantara is the lack of a really great breaking ball about a pitch that breaks to his uh, his glove side compared to, of course, his, his sinker and his changeup that have amazing tumble to the arm side. So you need something to switch it up in order to be near the top of the league and actually missing bats. He's been somebody that doesn't really miss bats at a exceptional level. But entering this year, what we'd seen is somebody that puts more and more trust in his changeup that will always be his bread and butter, and that takes him pretty far on his own, just having good fastball commands and a nasty changeup that he's willing to go to against lefties and righties and all sorts of counts. So that is continuing. Um, But one trend I'm really interested in is exactly what he does on the breaking ball side, and not with his curveball. The curveball is the one that he's been trying to get it to work, and it's just not happening for him. In this most recent start, he only threw a couple of them in those six innings. What he's leaning on more is his cutter as his primary breaking ball. He got a couple really nice strikeouts with it in this most recent outing, the velocity being similar to his fastball, but it's getting some of that movement in the opposite direction from his change. So when hitters are expecting that changeup and they get the cutter, it is almost impossible to make that sort of adjustment. I'll be interested to see exactly how much more he uh, continues to utilize that, how consistent that pitch can be. And the early indications are that he is willing to use it against both lefties and righties. So that's a really important thing, too, to make sure that it's it's a factor against both of those and it keeps the hitter in this state of mind where they don't really know what to expect. Uh, some other little things that have stood out to me is that he is getting a little extra extension off the mound this year. This is quantified by StatCast, how close you are to the plate when you deliver the pitch. That gives the hitter less time to react. That makes whatever velocity you have play up even more if you're closer to home plate. By all accounts, that seems to be trending up. He's been able to alter his delivery a little bit. I know that our friend Arm Laden... Arm Laden... (laughs) I know our friend Arm Layden at Just Baseball is going to have an upcoming article breaking down the changes for Pablo and what he's done to his delivery in a couple of ways. So perhaps even make the changeup even better and to create that extra extension that I just mentioned. So I'll be interested in seeing how that plays out. Uh, the other key trend, uh, not to discount what he's done to this point in the season, but all of his starts to this point have been on extra rest, more than four days rest, more than five total days between starts. For his career, when he gets any sort of extra rest, more than five days in between starts, more than four days of rest, he has a 2.86 ERA in a pretty big sample, allowing just 1.1 base runners per inning. That is like bona fide all-star stuff. Again, in a pretty big sample, let me see exactly how many starts that is. Looks like... 36, if I have that right? Yeah, 36 starts. And he has those kind of really excellent, excellent numbers. He gets more strikeouts. He does a better job keeping the ball in the ballpark. The peripherals back up that run prevention. When he's working on normal rest, it's an ERA over five, allowing a lot more home runs, uh, issuing more walks, more hit batters, like across the board, a 1.3. 5, 1.4 base runners per inning. 
um, especially when you adjust for Lone Depot Park and all the starts he made against National League lineups. Like he's been a below average starting pitcher. So from all-star to below average based on how much days of rest that he's had. There are, of course, are individual outings can, that can really skew this one way or another. But I bring that up now because to this point in the season, he's had the luxury of extra rest in each outing, and that's not going to be the case for his next two. Something I'd mentioned uh, on the site, on Twitter, is that the Marlins are just starting a stretch of 16 straight days without any off days, 16 straight games without any off days, which means that each of his next two turns in the rotation will come on regular rest for the first time this year. I mean, if he somehow fires up more zeros in both of those outings, then that's when we know we have something really special on our hands. Fingers crossed he could keep it up because he is an easy guy to root for. He is an important voice in that clubhouse. And the Marlins are lucky that beyond this year, they still have a couple more years of control uh, on him. That it will be fascinating to see exactly what they would do with him if he continues performing at a great level. I, I've been, I've been, you know, kind of doubtful that they would send sign big contracts to multiple starting pitchers, having already done so with Sandy, considering how confident they are in their ability to develop more pitchers. Uh, for a fraction of the price. So that will be interesting, is, is whether he actually performs so well that it turns him into a more obvious trade candidate during this upcoming offseason just because they know that they won't be paying him that market value. That's getting a, a little ahead of ourselves, but it's people should naturally be extremely thrilled with what he's done uh, this year. Still just 26 years old, so it's entirely within the realm of possibility that this is going to be Pablo's best year yet. We look forward to Monday because in the middle of that Marlins homestand, finally the rosters are going to go back to quote normal. It's been easy to forget that this team has had two extra roster spots this entire season so far. Um, a couple of those guys have kind of been hidden out of view for most of the season thus far. So it has been easy to forget because Marlins have been relying pretty heavily on just the top 24, 25 guys. But of course, last year was 26 and that's the new normal. Uh, They took an exception to that roster size because of the abbreviated spring training to make sure that pitchers were not in a position to hurt themselves, to take on too much of a workload too soon. The Marlins were one of many teams that have gone with 15-plus pitchers, most of the roster being pitchers, uh, 10-man bullpen they've had throughout this early portion of the season. And so that's obviously going to change, and it'll be interesting to see exactly what moves the Marlins make. So I give you a, a warning ahead of time that this may be sort of a silly exercise. What I've no- learned about the Marlins is that it's just hard to anticipate the exact timing and particulars of the decisions they make with that roster. What are they going to do? We can start with the fact that, in my estimation, 19 of these 28 players are completely safe. Uh, They fall into a few different categories. The one is those who have no minor league options left and make a decent amount of money. The Marlins, if you can't send them down, and you're obviously not going to cut them because of the salaries they have, especially this early in the season, it is... Safe to assume that Jesus Aguilar, Anthony Bass, Richard Blyer, 
Avisail Garcia, Miguel Rojas, Jorge Soler, and Jacob Stallings are still going to be here once that deadline pass. I think we can all agree with that. Aguilar, Bass, Blyer, Garcia, Rojas, Soler, Stallings, they're not going anywhere. They, there's really nothing they can do to put them anywhere aside from the active roster at this point in time. The second category, I'm calling it way too good or too important to even consider sending down. This one includes Sandy Alcantara, Brian Anderson, guys who, just to be clear, these guys have minor league options. If the Marlins wanted to send down Sandy Alcantara, there's nothing he can do about it. Um, Of course, it'd be absurd to do so, and that's why he headlines this category in alphabetical order, Alcantara, Anderson, Anthony Bender, Jazz Chisholm Jr., Garrett Cooper, Pablo Lopez, Jesus Lazardo, Trevor Rogers, Jesus Sanchez, Cole Solcer, Joey Wendell, and uh, Stephen Okert, who I want to circle back to in a minute. So of these guys, most of them are playing pretty well. Um, I'll shout out Trevor Rogers because I'm recording this in the middle of his start where he, just like Pablo, is taking care of business against a very bad Nationals team to solidify his spot in the rotation. And somebody like Luzardo, who I was pretty skeptical of entering this year, um, so far, two out of three starts, really outstanding. His rotation spot in the majors is not in any jeopardy anytime soon. He's fine. Uh, of this group, Anthony Bender has certainly been the the low man in terms of performance. Even though he's picked up, I think, four saves already, they have not been comfortable saves. I think just about every single outing, he's allowed at least one base runner. Despite the quality of his stuff, he is just not quite the same phenom that we saw in spring of 2021 and soon after he was called up. He has some adjustments to make. That being said, he looks kind of healthy. And I guess it's kind of, maybe that's not the right word for it because he did actually miss almost a week of time quietly on the active roster while dealing with what Don Maddenly described as a hip issue. So he hasn't been 100% healthy. Maybe you attribute that somewhat to his performance. Uh, Either way, he has returned to action since then. And just because the quality of his stuff... The fact that he now has, um, like it or not, he has had some closing experience. For the time, he does have an important role to play on this bullpen, and so I don't see him as somebody that would be a candidate to be sent down in the very near future, although that could change in the not-too-distant future. Uh, And also among this group, I did want to mention Stephen Okert, who does, he was kind of in between groups here because he doesn't make that much money. But he also doesn't have any minor league options. But he doesn't have a super critical role on the team. But there have been certain flashes of awesomeness from him this year. So I think the bottom line is just because they can't get rid of him without designating him for assignment, he's another one that I would consider completely safe due to that roster situation at this time. As the Marlins take the lead here in the seventh inning, on Thursday, trying to sweep the Nationals and move to two games above 500. So this brings us to the group that we actually want to talk about on the show, those that you need to think about as roster-trimming candidates. The Marlins need to go from 28 to 26. One thing to keep in mind, Dylan Floro on the rehab trail, but not looking very convincing in his rehab outing so far. So I'm making these calls with the assumption that Floro needs a little bit more time. He won't quite be ready by the time that we get to Monday. 
these are the, the rest of the players that I haven't already mentioned. Uh, let's start with John Birdie, who has been awesome in a very limited sample. He's only started a handful of games to this point in the season. Um, to me, it's kind of it's pretty clear that he is important for this big league roster because of his versatility and because of his speed for a team that overall um, has a lot of players in their starting lineup who are not very agile, not very good base runners. Even when Birdie isn't in the lineup, he has ways to contribute off the bench that really nobody else on this team does. Uh, The fact that he's been actually effective in his limited sample, that's just the cherry on top, solidifies him. Eliezer Hernandez, we're not comfortable with how he's pitched to this point in the season, but he is somebody that does have quite a bit of starting experience already. When you take a step back and you look at the overall production, it's really not that bad. Will he stay in this rotation throughout the season? I think it's pretty clear that won't happen. We might be looking at this as soon as late May and reevaluating his role on the team and whether he should be here or not. For the moment, the fact that they were so high on him entering the season, I don't think three starts, with really only two of them being bad ones and having a nice one sandwiched in between, he's not really a candidate to be trimmed off at this time, in my opinion. Uh, Tanner Scott actually has a minor league option left. We know he's coming off a poor year with the Orioles after being great the previous year before that, and for a lot of this season, he has been great for the Marlins as well. It's just recently he's had those back-to-back on this road trip, uncomfortable outings, one against the Braves and one against the Nationals, neither of which cost the Marlins the game, but both of them really made you sweat with Scott. He's done interesting things with his pitch mix, relying more heavily on his slider than ever before. I think just like Bender, just the quality of the stuff is so much of a standout that you need to give him an opportunity that like you can't just turn down that kind of arm talent right now, considering that the rest of this pen is sort of lacking in that department. I believe he's safe for the time being, but we'll have to strain things out relatively soon. This has been a popular candidate to get trimmed. Sean Armstrong, who the Marlins signed as a uh, minor league free agent uh, this past offseason, he was a high demand minor league free agent too. Uh, reportedly the majority of major league teams made him some sort of offer to bring him to camp because the Marlins were able to get his commitment by kind of ensuring that he was going to be on the opening day roster. He, From the moment he arrived in camp, it was considered almost a foregone conclusion that he was going to crack the 28-man, and he did. I mean, to be honest, I've been trying. I've been trying to like stare closely at him and see what exactly they found so tantalizing about Sean Armstrong, and I can't see it. For a guy who has been in the big leagues for a while now, has not really produced a whole lot, I, I don't see really anything that sexy compared to, again, somebody like Bender or Scott. Those are guys that you can be patient. You can understand why the Marlins are putting a lot of hope in them straightening things out. But I don't think Armstrong has that same type of upside. The reason why I don't think they're going to cut bait with him right now is because he can't be sent down without his permission. He has to accept an outright assignment if they are going to you know, designate him for assignment. They really risk losing him, in other words, if they get rid of him right now, which I just don't see as a likely possibility this early in the season. We're only talking about 
a handful of outings to this point. Uh, I mean, none of which have allowed a crooked number. It's just that almost every single outing he's been allowing hard contact. Um, and in a couple of them, he he has looked kind of out of his element. When you put it all together, I think it's still too early in the year for them to cut bait with him, considering all the effort they put into acquiring him in the first place. And then the other one, uh, kind of in this category that I think is safe, would be Peyton Henry. So he is, of course, the backup to Jacob Stallings, the rarely used backup to this point in the season. Caught people by surprise that he made the opening day roster in the first place. I thought Nick Fortes was ahead of him on the depth chart. And to be honest, Henry hasn't done much you know, in front of our eyes to show why he exactly deserved that spot and won that competition. He is, uh, barring, you know, a hit in his very last plate appearance today, he'll, he'll still be hitless on the season. One of the very few players in the majors that's been getting regular playing time and don't have any hits. Of course, as a backup catcher, you're prioritizing the defense, and even that has not been very good for Henry in his small sample this year. His receiving, for one, has been disappointing. Even in a lot of situations where it doesn't impact the game, there have been a lot of times without runners on base where he does like just enough to keep the ball in his neighborhood that prevents runners from advancing. He has flirted with a lot of bad plays. He's made a few of them, but he's flirted with uh, even more that could be close to happening. So his receiving skills have not been up to standard. As I said, he has, been, he has not been hitting whatsoever. Based on his track record in the upper minors, the Marlins thought, hey, at least he would get on base at a pretty decent clip for a catcher, and that hasn't been happening either. Um, just a couple walks at this point in the season, that kind of represents his entire offensive impact. I do think he's safe for the time being. He has minor league options left, so they really don't need to hesitate to send him down for a Fortes or to consider a, a non-roster option like Astadillo or Lorenzo Quintana. I don't want to talk about those guys quite quite now, but both of them are hitting so well in the minors that we're within this first half of the season for sure. It's only a matter of weeks until you seriously c- contemplate a change in the backup position in this stretch where you'll need to have a good backup catcher. Stalling this during the stretch where... They go two full weeks without any off days. That backup catcher is going to need to play several complete games on their own. Is Henry going to be up to that challenge? It seems like the Marlins are going to make a judgment on him after that stretch. Once he makes a few different starts, gets an opportunity to catch basically everybody in this rotation one time, probably the way that the schedule lines up, that's when uh, you may see a change in that particular With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this leaves us, <laughs> we covered, to, to catch you up, we've covered Aguilar, Bass, Blyer, Garcia, Rojas, Soler, Stallings, Alcantara, Anderson, Bender, Chisholm, Cooper, Lopez, Luzardo, Rogers, Sanchez, Solcer, Wendell, Okert, Birdie, Hernandez, Scott, Armstrong, and Henry. So that leaves Cody Poteet, Lewis Head, Zach Pop, who's just called from AAA, earlier today in Brian Dela Cruz. So you got four guys to trim down from 28 to 26. Major League Baseball is requiring at least one of those to be a pitcher. So keep that in mind. One of those pitchers, in my opinion, is going to be Poteet, Head, or Pop will have to go and very likely one hitter as well. The hitter can't be Henry unless he's replaced by another catcher. You need a backup catcher. And I don't think it's going to be Birdie because of how well he's playing and how particular his role is on this team. So who's the last position player that uh, we haven't gone through yet? It's Brian Dela Cruz. I have not hidden my affection for Dela Cruz based on how he performed early last year and how I, I thought there were some very legitimate skills that were going to translate into him having a nice career to this point. We do know that the Marlins initially in spring training, planned to have him down at AAA. They only reversed that decision on very short notice. And since he's been up in the majors, even at a time when some of these other corner outfielders, Soler and Garcia, are struggling, Dela Cruz has not been cracking that starting lineup. So that tells you that they just kind of like Henry. He, they're, they're not someone, they're not really comfortable like putting much responsibility on his shoulders at this point in his career. Dela Cruz was the prototypical fourth outfielder. Do they need a prototypical fourth outfielder for the foreseeable future? And my expectation is no, that they don't. That you have somebody in birdie circling back to him. As long as they trust him to be the backup center fielder, a position that he's played a handful of times in the big leagues, they certainly has the agility for, decent range for, then I think that's enough. Where you have Brian Anderson as the backup corner outfielder at both left and right, that's enough. So Anderson, because of his long track record, because of his salary, he's not going anywhere. Birdie, with the way he's playing, he's not going anywhere. And I think those guys are both backup outfielders, uh, even though they are certainly came up as infielders, that even when this roster comes down, that the Marlins will be comfortable having 12 position players and without having somebody like Dela Cruz there. And that must be frustrating for DLC because he has performed at the plate really well ever since debuting last year. Uh, I didn't love the decision to sign both Soler and Garcia, knowing that both of them were limited to the corner spots. But that decision has already been made, and especially in the first month of those multi-year contracts, those guys are stuck in place. And for the time being, this team continues to be as healthy as they are, um, Dela Cruz is just stuck 
in a point on the depth chart where he'll just be waiting in Triple A Jacksonville until that next opportunity presents itself. So that's my prediction for one of those guys getting squeezed off being Brian Dela Cruz, unfortunately, even with nothing left to prove. So who's going to be the pitcher that gets squeezed off along with Dela Cruz between Poteet, Head, and Zach Pop? I think the answer is pretty straightforward there, too. With the way that Poteet can give you multiple innings, he's been developed as a starter for almost his entire professional career to this point. His stuff has looked good in a small sample so far this year. The variety of pitches he has means that you know he can go multiple times through the order if ever needed, kind of in an emergency situation. They've been fortunate so far, kind of with one exception, with one Trevor Red Rogers start aside, these guys have been giving very good length relative to other starting pitchers across the league. Maybe that won't keep up at quite the same rate, and then you have somebody in Poteet who can step in. Lewis Head has gotten the job done. You know, it hasn't always been sexy in his handful of appearances to this point. We know that they did trade a player to be named later to um, the Rays in order to get him. They invested something in him. Um, even though he has minor league options left, he's 32 years old, so he certainly has nothing to learn from pitching in the minors, even less so than some of these other pitchers that we've already established are safe. So I think he sticks around. And by default, Zach Pop, you know, he's only been up for a few hours uh, after making maybe one appearance over the weekends. My expectation is he's the one that gets sent back down. He showed some really nice potential during the second half of last season. In AAA this year, all he's done is throw up zeros, at least in terms of earned runs. He's allowed two unearned runs in his seven appearances out of the Jacksonville bullpen. Um, really good ratios as well. Uh, he's going to have a really nice future. It's just that with this team, um, there's only so many spots at this point in the season. I was surprised that he was not on this major league roster during these first few weeks of the season. Even if he had been, you know, he'd probably be in this kind of position anyway just due to the seniority of the other pitchers on this team. Um, you need to make some pretty tough calls. It's fortunate that the Marlins are in this position where it might be the right move to actually send down a solid reliever with two really interesting pitches, both his sinker and his slider. I like his potential a lot moving forward, I, but I think he he just replaced Daniel Castano, and so it's a much tougher decision with him than it would have been for Castano. Um I still think that's a pretty clear decision here, and that's what will happen when all the dust settles on Monday. As I said up top, this is one of the emotional high points with how the team is playing in several different facets of the game. The depth is really showing itself, and even more fun is seeing the star power at the top with guys like Jazz, Jesus Sanchez, and Pablo Lopez, and of course, Sandy Alcantara. So I've been Eli Sussman. Come back to you again on Monday, in between got our Fish Stripes Live show on Friday, plenty of articles and other projects in between. So follow all that along at fishstripes.com. Go fish. <laughs>